In this episode, we have Wish alum, Ali Gonzalez. Ali's wish was to have a Sweet 16 party hosted at the Thayer Hotel, located on the grounds of the U.S. Military Academy at West Point, New York. Here is Ali Gonzalez. Ali, welcome to the Wish House podcast. How are you doing? Thanks for having me, Abe. I'm doing great. How are you guys? Hanging in there. You know, at the airing of this episode, <laughs> hopefully the pandemic is very much behind us. Um, but, yes. you know, most likely we're going to still be in the midst of it, <laughs> the way it's trending right now. Um, but yeah. for our listeners that are um, tuning in to this episode, share with them a little bit about your experience of having a wish. I mean, first of all, you had a pretty cool wish, which is a party wish. Um, tell me a little bit, take us back to 2007, um, on what even got you to the point of having wow. a wish granted, because, you know, like all of us wish alum, it starts with a diagnosis, unfortunately. And, um, what was yours if you're open to sharing it and kind of what was your treatment process kind of like, and then how were you first introduced to make a wish as a result of that diagnosis? Yeah. Um, so it seems like a lifetime ago, I just turned 29. So, um, talking about being 13 turning 14 is literally a lifetime ago, but, um, I was going into high school. We had just moved, um, into our new house, a summer of 2005. Um, and I was just starting high school. My brother had just started college. Um, and I was always into sports my whole entire life. I still am. I coach now as, as an adult and, um, I was going to preseason for soccer to try out for the high school soccer team. And I just didn't feel right. It was, it was maybe about a month and a half, two months where I just felt off, you know, and, and I had always, always eaten before practice. Mom always made me have a snack or peanut butter and jelly, something. So my stomach wasn't empty and just things weren't sitting right. Um, and after a couple days and school starting, I was excessively sleeping um, I was having night sweats, kind of the flu-like symptoms were really starting to become prominent. So we went to my doctor, my pediatrician at the time in New Jersey, and she's like, you have to get blood work done. We think it's something a little more serious. So from there, we got transferred to Hackensack University, which at the time was tomorrow's, tomorrow's Children's Institute. Um, I got diagnosed in 2005 of November with Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, and that was obviously something I don't think any young adult prepares for. I was a teen, a preteen at that, at that time. Um, so it was really a whirlwind. And um, thankfully, I had a huge support system in my local community, my parents, my, my friends, my family. Um, so treatment was pretty rigorous. I went through chemotherapy and radiation. I was in a study group. So I had some extra testing that I had to do in between sessions, but thankfully four cycles and a couple months later, I was in remission and I've been in remission ever since. Um, and my starting to learn about Make-A-Wish, it was, it was very much what you had heard on commercials at the time. I mean, that was 15 years ago and it was it wasn't something that I had ever really thought about, never thinking I would be um, involved. And through the social worker that I worked with at Hackensack, she kind of introduced us to different connections. And um, one of those connections was Make-A-Wish. And I never honestly thought that I would get something granted even after I was in treatment. Um, 
But man, the the opportunities and the journey since then, the people that I've met, the connections I've made, um, I couldn't be luckier to really be involved as an alum now. So I'm happy to talk about um, all the good things that have come out of such a terrible time in my life. So I got to say, Ali, I mean, you, the beginning part of your your journey with your treatment process almost sounds like a mirror image of my experience. Because I had, I mean, I don't know if you know my background too with the with kind of the the whole journey of that. So I was involved in a car accident, injured my lower back, was going to physical therapy. Like you, I played sports as in you know in high school, um, had had uh, and all throughout my youth, and had physicals done all the time. Um, I never picked up on anything as far as feeling off or having symptoms the way you had. My dad actually was the one that kept on noticing that I had like a dry cough. I didn't think anything of it. Um, I had seasonal allergies, so I thought maybe that may have been it, but he was like, you have this dry cough, you know, it's just weird. Didn't think anything of it. I was healthy. I felt fine. I was breathing fine. Everything was cool. Went through uh, this car accident, fast forward, had some x-rays done. They said, something's not right. You need to get a CAT scan done. As soon as they did the CAT scan, they saw my entire, all my lungs, because I had lung cancer. They saw the lungs were over 50% of it just covered in tumors. And they were like, yeah, we need to get you in radiation and immediately the stunt this growth and then start getting you into chemo. Same thing like you had the four rounds of chemotherapy. Um, and, you know, I'm pretty much a marvel to anyone that I come across in the medical field when they find out that at 15 years old, somebody would be diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. Um, and so they also want to poke and prod me, too, because you had that as a study group. I, I, you know, yeah, I know how those I, work. Isn't that yeah, wild how I, that works? I didn't even know. And I have to be completely honest. I didn't even know I was stage four until I was an adult when I was going for my annual physicals. And I was like, I'm just curious. Like, and they were like, yeah, you were stage four. But at the time being so young, you know, they don't want to freak you out any more so than it already was. And when you hear that, you're like, oh my gosh, that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm done for. So, um, thankfully, you know, we're both here to tell our tales, right? Exactly. And and that's exactly what this podcast platform allows us to do is to share stories of wish kids, you know, when we were first referred to make a wish and what happens afterwards, because we hear the stories in the moment when they are granted. But a lot of times we don't hear the stories of wish alum after the fact, like in your case or mine, where we grow up, our lives move forward. You know, we have our careers, we have our lives that we're living, and that's what we want to share is a little bit more about that, which you kind of talked about it before. You're now um, you're now coaching. So share yeah. a little bit about what you're doing in your day-to-day life. So I, ha- I have to say this has totally come full circle. So I, I originally had wanted my wish to meet Derek Jeter, who at the time was my favorite player, but he was like, at the time, like the person that was untouchable. So I was like, okay, I'm fine with that. I, I know it would be... <laughs> and he was in the middle of his career. It wasn't like he was retired. So um, my next best option was to have a sweet 16. And I, my parents were like, look, you know, we're a middle-class family. It's, it's not something that we could have an extravagant party. So when Make-A-Wish gave me some options and really talked me through um, what some of my options were, I'm like, let's do it. Let's throw a party. I love music. I love dancing. I love food. I love my friends. So it was like the perfect opportunity. Um, and when they gave me options of local venues, West Point is not far from me. Um, and, and I had only heard amazing things about the Thayer and I had already known 
um, through discussions of different venues that they had had connections with Make-A-Wish, like with Army football, that there was some involvement there already. So I'm like, okay, let's do it. Um, literally one of the best nights of my life. I still have a collage that was made for me. Um, one of the best nights of my life, and I'll, I'll talk about that more in detail. But now as an adult, I actually teach at the high school right outside of West Point. So I go there all the time. I have students and, and parents that work at Thayer Hotel. Um, and I tell them, I'm like, guys, Thayer Hotel is like the best place ever. And they're like, no, it's not. It's like where I work every weekend. And I'm like, no, but you don't understand. If you don't live in West Point or in that area, that's like the place to have a party. So um, it's amazing that it's it's literally come full circle. I, my school now hosts their prom there. Um, at West Point, so not at the Thayer, because the Thayer is like exclusive, but um, it's really so cool that now I teach and I, you know, have students and families that go through West Point. So, um, I, you know, I, it's, it's a throwback for me, but it's, it's still like, kind of like, I was that cool that I had a party there, but they're like, oh, Miss G, that's so lame. But <laughs> I really, um, I love it. And, you know, uh, West Point like still does the coin toss for army football. I got to do that when I was a, a make a wish kid. And like, now I go to games and I was like, that was me, you know? So like that it's, um, it's really come full circle in, in that sense. So I, I love that. So I want to add, so for those that are listening into this episode, just so you're aware, you know, our relationship with West Point goes back 20 years from the day, the airing of this episode. So since 2000, since pretty much 2000, um, we've been uh, in, a, in a really great partnership with them. What they are able to do is host our Wish Kids and their families for one of their home games at a Army a Black Knights football game. And ultimately what that experience looks like is that they're able to get on the field, the 50 yard line, they're able to flip a commemorative coin. Uh, they get to you know, talk a little bit with the referees, with the captains of both sides of the teams. Um, you know, In some cases, we even had kids that had one of those army football games actually happened at Yankee stadium um, where they were able to do a football game there, which was pretty dope. Um, I had the honor to be able to be the escort for that kid. Um, so that was pretty cool. Um, like two, two amazing things at once Yankee stadium. Oh my and God. An army <laughs> yeah. So let's, let's fill people in on, on, on kind of yeah, the elephant exactly. in the room. So, you, you know, we are both Allie, myself, we are huge Yankee fans. I don't know if you know, but my original wish was also a Yankee related wish. I wanted to be in the dugout during a world series game. Um, <laughs> that was my original wish. That's um, amazing. <laughs> but you know, I couldn't be around four people with what I had going on, let alone right, 50,000 right. people at, at the old Yankee stadium, but dream big you know, though, Abe, you got to dream big, right? Absolutely. You got to start somewhere, right? Um, shoot for the stars. But, uh, but Allie and I, and also your dad, Bill, we, we tend to bump into each other every season, every season, at least two to three times throughout the season, baseball season, we are bumping into each other. You guys have pretty much the same seats every year. I know where you guys somewhat are kind of located. I tend to jump around a lot in the grandstands, but I always I always walk around early during the game before the game starts and I always get to see you guys. So, you know, yes, we are huge Yankee fans. Um, <laughs> those that are listening in, you can't see it. I'm rocking my Yankee hat just for this, uh, you know, this episode, which is great. Um, but yeah, so kind of going back a little bit with the Thayer Hotel. So you mentioned the, you know, just the experience of being there. Tell me a little bit about what it was like. Did you know how much of it did you know was happening before you actually stepped out? and kind of enjoyed your night because from the pictures 
it looks like you had a fun, you know, you're saying it was fantastic. It oh looks like God. it was a phenomenal night. So all I knew going into this, okay, was pretty much that one, I had two dresses. I was able to shop for two dresses. So I was able to have a more formal dress to cut the cake, to make my entrance, you know, the big deal. And then I had like the party dress, the shorter dress, more fun. Um, but what I didn't know, which is like a very big deal at West Point, was the entrance of the color guard. So when I walked into the Thayer, they had all the cadets like lined up on the stairs or different officers. I don't even think they were cadets. They were officers. And they like hold their swords in like an arch, which is literally like in a princess movie. Like it was the coolest thing ever. I walked under that. They had the cutest officer at the time. So I was 16. So I was like, <laughs> um, the cutest officer, like walk me in, escort me in. And like my family came with me. So like you could see like the collage here of like different events from the night. Like I'm here cheesing hard in front of my humongous cake, which was like the best cake. You know, here's me walking in, dancing, so and taking obviously the photos because it was Christmas. It was Christmas decorated already um, for the holiday season, so everything was like lights, decorations, fireplace. Like it was just the perfect December first because that was like that was for me. That was that was like a wedding. It was a wedding without without the husband. I'm like I had the party. The food was amazing. Um, the staff and everybody was was just so helpful. And I got to invite a hundred of my family and friends to to just dance the night away. So who wouldn't love that? <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. And, and that was the one thing I was hoping you would share was that you know, tunnel of swords that you kind of had a walk through. It was it, it it we'll make sure to share that photo in the show notes of this episode so that uh -huh. everyone can get a chance to see that. Um, that amazing moment of you walking through there. That that's just crazy. I mean, the fact that your wish took place 13 years ago is also pretty wild to me because I remember your wish very vividly because it was it only was granted a few months after I had started working for the foundation. So it was one of those wishes that I remember because it was such a big wish in the sense of like how amazing it was and everybody was talking about it. And I was just like, this is so cool. Um, early so, in your career. <laughs> early in my career. Yeah. It's just wild, wild. And I'm so happy you shared. Um, I'm curious to kind of go back to before. I mean, obviously you're coaching now. Um, what, what sports are you coaching at, at the high school you teach at? So I coach, uh, JV volleyball. This, this is the first season that I haven't coached in the last six years since I started teaching. Um, and I coach varsity softball. Um, softball is like my passion. Um, and I, I absolutely love everything about coaching. And the thing about working with kids is it keeps you motivated and it keeps you in shape. So, you know, I've been going hard in the gym the past couple of years and work out every day, but you know, it really is after having that experience as a young adult, you know, I really emphasize to my kids how important their health is. And, and, you know, it's not even just physical health, it's, it's mental health, it's social, emotional health. Um, and especially now with the pandemic, I think it's something that has kind of come full circle in that sense where I really try to guide them through this experience. Like, look, I had something that is rare, but there are steps that you could take to avoid anything happening. Could I have avoided it? Probably not. But, you know, I try to emphasize being healthy, taking care of their body, taking care of their mind. 
um, which, you know, it made me grow up really quickly at such a young age. And I'm sure you had the same experience. Like I didn't take life for granted after that. So I, uh, you know, I really take care of myself now. Um, I love coaching. I love teaching. I really love what I do. So, um, yeah, I just, I, it just, it like, it gives me goosebumps still to think like that was then. And like, now I'm working right down the block. Like I could go there whenever I want, you know, it's, um, it's definitely something that's odd, but, um, it's, it's really amazing. I'm curious, has there been some overlap of, um, obviously you being a wish kid, having that experience of a, of a wish, and now you fast forward and now you're a teacher, you're, you're in the community of which you had your wish granted, which is amazing. Have you had any of your own students who have gone through their own health struggles that have maybe also been a wish kid? Has that uh, ever that, happened? Um, that is, um, I can't believe you brought this up and I can't believe it slipped my mind. So my second year of teaching, I became the, the assistant varsity coach for softball. And one of my softball players, her younger brother was, I believe in ninth or 10th grade at the time, maybe 10th. Um, he had Hodgkin's lymphoma as well. And he got treated and had to make a wish. Um, and I still keep in touch with him. And he went to Hawaii with his family um, from make a wish. So that was, that was something that, you know, you really don't expect anybody to be in your shoes, but he had almost the mirror image of what I had. And, and I, and I empathized and I was able to talk to the parents and talk to his sister, um, that he's going to get through it, you know? And I said, you know, make a wish is one of those things that gives you the opportunity to kind of have that out of body experience in a way, because you're just not thinking about what's wrong and you're thinking about what's right and what's fun and being with your family and the, and the passion of whatever it was that you chose to do. So, um, yeah, that, that was a specific instance where I had a student that had to make a wish. Um, and I still keep in touch with them. Um, you know, I've also through who granted my wish, one of the volunteers, um, I keep in touch with her and she's a teacher at Tappan Zee high school. She's an art teacher. And, um, a new teacher that works in my building now had her as an art teacher during the time when I was going through this. She's a little bit younger than me. Um, and so it's just, it's amazing the connections that, that you make with people through Make-A-Wish and how they just stick. Um, and, you know, for me as the teacher, having those types of connections outside of the classroom are something you can't replace. And you mentioned about stay, you know, really being in tune with your body and being aware of almost hyper aware of things when, especially when you go through something like you went through as a young child and like I went through and others that are listening to this podcast and maybe they themselves are either in the midst of their treatment journey, or maybe they're like us, you know, many, many years removed from their wish journey um, or their treatment journey. Um, but you use, I mean, a little bird told me that you do yoga. Um, so share a little bit about your yoga experience. So the, the physical health is something that I've been, I don't want to use the term gym rat because I've been working out at home for so long, but I have been the type of person where working out just feels good for me. And I know I'm taking care of my body, but the yoga component didn't come into my life until the last two years. Um, and it was more of the mental and the, the social emotional health that I needed to work on internally. Um, and a friend introduced me to hot yoga and I was like, nah, I'm not into that. I'm into weights and music. Um, 
but it just, it was a different relationship with your body. And it really allows for that, that, that mind body connection that you don't get at a gym. Um, and since then I have become yoga certified. So I took my 200 hour yoga teacher training. Um, I passed the final exam and I've actually been teaching at the gym that I go to, that I have a trainer, um, at, I teach yoga now for other gym goers. So it's, it's really the type of relationship that everybody should have with, with their body, but it's really about meditating and about, you know, turning your mind off from all the stressors and anxieties in life. And, you know, had I had yoga back 15 years ago, I mean, it, it might've made a huge difference and, and, you know, it's not for everybody, but <laughs> I was like, I don't want to make everybody a yogi, but, um, I, I do have to say it's been the, the breathing and the anxiety relief that I have noticed in the past two years has been exponential. And I, I really would recommend that. I mean, the stretching is amazing for the body and it does make you strong in a different way. Um, but really that social emotional component is so important for people. And I think it often gets forgotten and yoga is something that has made me more attuned to that part of my body that I, I can't really go a day without, I, w- I usually teach three or four days a week. So that's amazing. Yeah. You know, I, and it's crazy because I think, especially during this time where we have been either quarantined or shut in for so many months it, and, and because of, of the nature of, of working from home where you're staring at a screen, sometimes you're sharing a space with your kids, your spouse, your significant other, you're like, all, all you're doing is on a screen. And it's, it's great when you're able to just stop it, stop everything and just take a, a minute to just be. And yep. sometimes that's scary in a lot of ways to just be and, and be in tune with yourself. And who you are, and, and and you just are able to give yourself that that opportunity to kind of he- listen to yourself, or just yep. have quietness. And that is one of those things that I know I appreciate. I don't I don't do hot stone yoga, um, but I do uh, tend to have those moments where I do just kind of shut everything out and just meditate a little bit. Yeah. Um, and that and and having that silence and just kind of hearing your thoughts. Is something that is, I think we need more of, especially now during this time where we don't really have time to really stop and think, um, but you have yeah. to make the time for it, right? 100%. Self-care. Yeah. Absolutely. Self-care is super important. Um, and one of the people that actually cared for you during your time of treatment was your dad. That's a good segue, right? Yeah, uh, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so your dad, um, Bill, uh, has, has been a volunteer with us for so long, um, is one of our you know, part of, part of our speakers bureau has helped that out in events. Um, how does it feel for you um, seeing your dad get so involved with Make-A-Wish um, over the years? Um, you know, kind of seeing it from your perspective as a, as a Wish alum. Yeah. So um, obviously my parents were, I, I can't even describe what they must have felt, you know, seeing their child go through something like that. But man, did they put on their, their, their tough pants and they just, they battled through it with me every step of the way. Um, and you know, now as an adult, I think seeing my dad so involved, like it really shows how much he cares about, about Make-A-Wish and about the program. And beyond the fact that I got an amazing party, you know, that there is so much more to still be done. And there are so many 
you know, youth and, and not even that might have life-threatening illnesses, but that just might be in a tough situation. And, and, you know, the fact that he now has the time and the ability to give back to, to this community. Like it's a, it's, it's a family. I mean, whenever we talk to Tom Conklin, it's like, it's like, Hey, what's going on? Like, you know, it's just, um, seeing him have the time and put time into, you know, sharing our story and, and letting people know that they're there, that we're here and that, you know, there are other families that have been through experiences. Cause a lot of it, you know, you feel alone sometimes. And, and, and I know for my parents, they had never met anybody else who had had a, a child with, with cancer. So it, it wasn't something that had really hit home for them. And I, and I think, you know, looking back all these years later, just his ability to help families and to talk with families and that might feel that sense of loneliness and that they, you know, they have no one to share their burdens with. Um, and my dad is the type of person that would take the shirt off his back for you and, and give it to you if you needed it. Um, so, and, and it's really been amazing to kind of step back and let him, let him do this because I, you know, I, I serve my part and make a wish. I love doing the five K's and I, I will do things for you guys. And, and you know that, but my dad has a different role and I, and I'm really proud that he's able to do that role without me because it, it really lets him express his story and his, you know, his side of the journey as well, because it, you know, it was different for me than it was for him. So, um, I'm really proud of him. I probably have never told him that. Um, so make sure when he hears this, that, uh, or the next time you talk to him that you share, but I'm so proud of him and, and my mom too, she's a little bit more on the quiet side, but I know she's kind of the, the one that says my dad has a gift of speaking with people. That's just, that's just the type of type of man he is. So, um, he has the gift, so he shares it. Yeah. And, and shout out to Ada and, and, and all the entire Gonzalez family, because, um, you guys really are support us and you know, for a lot of our fundraising events. And you mentioned the 5K, which is a reference to our Walk for Witches, which has been historically a, a walkathon. But over the last uh, few years, we also incorporated a 5K into it. And you and I, I had I, to train for. <laughs> yeah, and you no did change. <laughs> but you did awesome. I mean, you were always like top ten like runners uh, for the 5K. So shout out to you because I know that's not easy. I can't do that. Um, and and I think it's one of those things that you know, you set your mind to something and you get it done. And, and that's been the impression that I've had over the years of seeing you and, and just the entire family whenever you guys wanted to do stuff. Because you mentioned also your brother um, earlier, and he also has, has you know, participated in the walk. So, you know, what's kind of motivated you guys as a family to kind of rally together around events like our walk or our wish ball or other things that you guys have participated in over the years? Ah, uh, man. I mean, I honestly was given so many opportunities when I was going through it, um, all those years ago. And even afterwards, I mean, the games that I went to, the people that I met, I was very, very fortunate with Make-A-Wish. And like I said earlier, it's, it's pretty much like a family. And now that we have the means, um, you know, I have my own job, my own career, my own home, I have the means to give back. And, you know, I, would love people to, to take one weekend to do the walk for wishes or to, you know, 
check out the wish ball and see, you know, it's not just, I, I don't, I don't, can't even describe it. Like, it's just, it's, it's not just for people that you, you might see on TV. You know, there are so many people that benefit from make a wish and, and it's from the goodness of people's hearts. It's, it's not because it's an obligation, but it's because we, we want to give back. And, you know, I was so fortunate and now that I'm an adult and, you know, cancer isn't something that just goes away. Um, unfortunately, and there are families that are still dealing with circumstances. And if I could, you know, talk to families or share my story and say, you could do this, you can get through this and, you know, have make a wish there to be there for you. Like you guys are, you know, we're my family for a really long time and I, I keep in touch with everybody still. And, um, that's something that doesn't go away. And sometimes, you know, not everybody has the, the physical family, but you guys are that, that family. And it's, it's the type of connections that you make is, is longstanding. So, you know, for my whole family, we just want to give back, you know, opportunities that, that we were given and, you know, pay it forward. I'm very much about paying it forward to people who need it. And, um, whatever we can do to really, to really help is, is why we've stayed involved for so long. And, you know, the partnership's not going to go away. You're not going to get rid of the Gonzalez clan that easily. <laughs> and never that. No, we love having you guys. And, yeah. and actually, you kind of brought up a, a question that I haven't really thought about, but I, I think I'm going to pose it to you as a WISH alum. You yeah. know, one of the things that we used to do back in the day as an organization was we, we were very big on granting the WISH for a child and the family. And then that was it. Like there was no strings attached. They would kind of go back to whatever their normal lives were before they were introduced to make wish or even before being diagnosed with whatever condition made them eligible to receive a wish. And that thinking has shifted over the years as an organization for make wish, where in the past we were kind of more hands off. Now we're doing our we're we're doing a little bit more work on staying connected with families soon after their wish was granted. Um, and, and, and seeing ways that they can get involved, whether it's being part of our alumni committee for WISH alum like you and I. Um, who, you know, for those that are listening in, our alumni committee is comprised of WISH recipients um, and, allow, and gives them the opportunity to give back, pay it forward in the ways that they can, whether it's sharing their story like you're doing today, or whether it's helping out at a fundraising event or even hosting their own fundraising event. So that allows for them, a platform for them to be able to do that. So now we're doing a, a little bit kind of approaching it differently where we are staying more in touch with them soon after the wish is granted for you as a wish alum was it was it better for you to have that kind of time in between or and come back at your own pace you know Abe I I have to be honest I think because I went through what I went through at such a young age I don't think I grasped a hundred percent what this organization meant to me I think it took me a little time to grow up in the sense that that was a part of my life. And for so long, I wanted to block it out and pretend it didn't happen. And then when I went to college and I got involved in Relay for Life and it, I had to be more comfortable talking about it because it was a part of my life and it shaped who I was. Um, and I think when I got towards the latter part of my college years, I was like, you know what, I, I have to, I have to do something. And, you know, I know it, it wasn't easy for me to, to say those things for a really long time. So I, I think it depends on the, on the person, to be honest with you. But I think I personally, I needed that time. I needed that time to, to heal 
emotionally from, from the sense that that was a part of my life that I need to accept and that shaped me for who I am today. And, you know, without Make-A-Wish, things would have looked very different for me as well. So, you know, I, I think because of the nature of what Make-A-Wish is all about and about the community and about, you know, serving people who, who really need it, um, for, for me, it was kind of a no brainer to come back to it, but I do also think it, it takes a little bit of time for people to realize, you know, that yes, it shifted the course of what you thought your life was going to be. But for me, it's made it better, you know, having those relationships as an adult. Now I'm able to fulfill a lot more with being an alum because I, I, I've been involved for so many years now, it makes it a lot easier, but yeah, I mean, that's a great point, you know, kind of giving people a little bit of time, I think is important for kind of that self-reflection. And I think a lot of people do need that time to really sit back and say, wow, my, my life might not have been laid out as I had planned, but it's, it's on a new path now and it's on a, on a positive direction. So um, kind of just framing it that way, I think might make it a little more, <laughs> a little more bearable for some people. I think, you know, I, I don't remember where I heard this, but, you know, with experiences like our own, where we go through something like a diagnosis and treatment, and then what happens afterwards, I look at it as a chapter in our book of life, right? So we have our before being diagnosed, we have our treatment journey, and then we have what happens afterwards, and then all the other chapters that follow it. And I find that what any listener that's tuning into this podcast, what they can take away from it is that at the pace of which you are ready, we will be here. You know, we'll be here, you know, when you need us, when you're referred, we'll be here throughout the wish journey and we'll be here post-wish as well at your pace Mm -hmm. when you're ready to give back. So like you, it took me seven years to get re-engaged with the chapter after my wish was granted. And there's other Mm -hmm. families that take even longer and, yep. you know, juxtaposed to that, you have families that get involved soon after their right wish way. is granted. Right. Um, right. And that's, and that's good. That's, that works for them. And I think that's mm-hmm. great. So I think those that are listening in hear our stories. Some people need a little bit more time, you know, and others, you guys may be ready to give back right now. And if you are ready to give back, reach out to us here at the staff. You can find our information down in the show notes and get involved. You, you know, that's yeah. the way you can get, you can get things done. So um, switching gears a little bit to that point, you know, we have a segment during this podcast we call the shooting star segment, where it's a series of questions where you say the first thing that comes to mind. It can be one word answer. Okay. or If you want to go a little bit more in depth, you can. Now, you've okay. already outlined a bunch of memories, thing, you know, stories about <laughs> Make-A-Wish. If you had to pick one, your favorite Make-A-Wish Hudson Valley memory, what would it be? I would have to say the wish ball. Oh, OK. Why, why the wish ball? Um. Well, it was the first fancy ball I had ever been to in my life. <laughs> um, I was able to bring my family, which is pretty cool. Um, but really just really knowing behind the scenes of what goes on. I think a lot of people don't really know how involved Make-A-Wish is and how many components and people are involved and kind of seeing it all kind of eclipse into one night was like, 
it was like a star-studded night for me. I was like, I don't know who half these people are, but they sound pretty cool and they're really important. And I was probably only 15, 16 when I went to my first one. But yeah, that was probably like the the coolest moment meeting all the people behind the scenes that you don't see every day. And actually that kind of brings me to the next question. When you're hearing all these stories up on our fundraising event, like a wish ball, you hear about wishes. Now, obviously it's, it's biased because you probably love your wish the most. Um, but over the years, you've heard about a lot of wishes. Oh, yeah. can, you think, can you think of any that kind of you think about and you're like, wow, that was an amazing wish? Well, um, I think it depends on the age group. Um, I, I love Disney. I'm such a Disney fan. So I feel like any kid, like, and even like young adults, who are we kidding? I love Disney. So any Disney wish is amazing. Um, I also love the, the, the wishes that are involved with the, with the child's home. So whether it's building, you know, a, a new room or building a play set, you know, those are things that memories can be created and, and really will last a significant amount of time. My wish was amazing, but it was one night. And the kids that have, you know, that playset that was built by Make-A-Wish and, and, you know, the heart and soul and the literally blood, sweat and tears of people putting in that, in that work is just um, amazing. So I, I, I guess it would have to depend, but like, I, I don't know. I just don't think you can go wrong with whatever someone picks. <laughs> that's true. And actually, that's actually a good a good kind of segue into the next question, which is if you could have a wish granted again, what would it be? And I'll give you some time because we have five formal wish categories for those that are listening in as a reminder, which are to go somewhere, to meet someone, to have something, to be someone or to give. So out of those five formal wish categories, what would your new wish be? Ooh, can I share it? <laughs> yeah. You, you know, I, I honestly, as an adult, I, I might make my wish to, you know, share with my, my students are like my kids and, um, I, I would probably pick something where I could take, you know, some of my students. I actually, I'm going to nerd out for a second. I run a book club at my school and I would literally love to take my book club to like any, like any bookstore and let them just pick books, um, like something like that to, to give them an opportunity to maybe, cause side note books get you lost in a, in a world that you can't just make up in your head. And, and I'm a proponent of reading. I think it's, it's, it's amazing for, for any person. Um, but there are some, some students that I have that are definitely less, less fortunate and less privileged. And, and you know, something like make a wish would be perfect to share with, with some of those students and families and just to take them out for a day, treat them to a couple meals, take them to a bookstore or museum or something that would probably, I would probably give my wish and, and, and share it with some of my students. I wouldn't be selfish. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. Um, and I guess, you know, the, the, one of the next questions I had for you as part of the shooting stars segment is what advice would you give to someone in the community that is interested in volunteering their time to a charity or, you know, more specifically, if they were looking to either 
donate their time, their treasure, their resources to Make-A-Wish Hudson Valley, what would you tell them to kind of nudge them in our direction? Wow. I love this segment, by the way, whoever came up with this genius, um, thinking on my toes, you know, you know, the, the thing about Make-A-Wish is there are so many different levels of involvement. Um, and there are really so many different ways that people can get involved. So my advice would be to, to pick a, a topic or a theme or an idea or something that you're good at and, and find a way to get involved that way. So if you're in the, in the digital world and there's, you know, digital fundraising that you could do, or if you're an athlete and you want to get into the 5k, if you like community service and getting, you know, involved in the, in the volunteering process, I, I, I don't think any amount of help is too small. Um, everybody at Make-A-Wish has, has a role, you know, no matter if they're involved day to day or week to week or once a year, but I don't think that any involvement is too small. So my advice would be pick something that you're passionate about and, and find it within the Make-A-Wish Valley chapter, find it within Make-A-Wish and, and make it work because if it's about giving back and it's about you know, I'm not sure if I have enough time in my calendar, they'll, they'll make time for you. You know, they'll, they'll work around your schedule. Like you guys did with me in the zoom call, you know, it didn't work around the first time and we, we made our schedules connect. So, uh, my advice, if there's something you're passionate about and you want to give back, find that thing that you, that you are passionate about and make it work. Absolutely. And, and if you want to get involved, please make sure to hit up those show notes because there'll be links there for you to get involved with our volunteer opportunities. If you want to host a fundraising event, if you want to get your kids involved through our Kids for Wish Kids program, you know, all the different ways that you can get involved, please check out our show notes for more information on that. And the last question in our Shooting Star segment, Allie, is in one word, how would you describe Make-A-Wish? Oh my gosh, Abe. Um one word for a teacher is like impossible. I would say, can I do like a phrase? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, above and beyond would be my phrase. I'm digging it. All right. So thank you so much to Allie for joining us today in, in this episode of our Wish House podcast. Thank you for sharing all your experiences with Make-A-Wish Hudson Valley over all the years um, that you've been connected to us. So we're so happy to hear that you're doing well that your, your life is feel, truly you know, fulfilling and you're doing all these amazing, all this amazing work in the community. It's so great to hear that from our Wish alum and, and what they're up to now. So thank you for taking some time out of your day to, to chat with us. Oh, thank you, Abe. I'm, I'm so happy you guys called me. And uh, you know, if we get one person to, to hear from this podcast and get involved, that's one more on our team. So thank you so much for having me. Um, I love Make-A-Wish and our Make-A-Wish family. And hopefully I'll I'll hear my own podcast. I'm so excited. <laughs> to our listeners, remember, you can always refer to our show notes for additional information about the topics we discussed today. And we also invite you to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. Let us know how we're doing and any questions you may want to add to our Shooting Star segment. We're always open to hearing what you guys have to say. Special thanks to our executive producers for the Wish House podcast, Jillian Rodriguez and Sydney Wolf, for helping me put the podcast together. Couldn't do it without their collaboration. And finally, from all of us here at the Wish House, thank you for joining us. Stay safe and stay healthy.